Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Now taking bets on who AEW's devil is, strap in folks, the nerds have arrived, bringing you the ultimate nerd podcast. Nerds, the worlds of, gaming, horror, TV, and film, have collided right here. This will be your finest hour. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, on this week's podcast, Christian and I are discussing all the latest news and rumors in nerdum. And we're giving you our AEW Week in Review. But with that said, let's get into the news. Every week, we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters. We're mere podcasters with opinions. Warning, potential spoilers for upcoming shows and movies ahead. Check timestamps to avoid spoilers. You have been warned. All right, up first, Marvel Studios just announced a Black Panther animated series called Eyes of Wakanda. During a premiere event for Marvel's What If Season 2, it was announced that Marvel Studios is working on a brand new animated series called Eyes of Wakanda, with it debuting in 2024, joining other animated series slated for next year like X-Men 97 and Spider-Man Freshman Year. It is believed that Ryan Coogler, who directed the films, is involved in the animated series, but it hasn't been made clear under what capacity just yet. The series was given only a brief synopsis saying, throughout Wakandan history, brave warriors have been tasked to travel the world retrieving dangerous vibranium artifacts. This is their story. So that's a crazy fast turnaround if the series does actually debut this year. They must have been working on it for quite a while. Uh, I really enjoyed what Marvel's done with the What If series, so I'm curious to see if they continue that type of animation style or if they go a different route altogether. Uh, You know, a while back, I believe we did hear rumors of Marvel wanting to do like a spinoff type anthology series about different characters from Wakanda. So I'm just wondering, if this is that or something completely different. Regardless, I think it'd be a cool way to tell a few more T'Challa stories. I mean, there's a huge gap of his life that we don't really know about between like Endgame and Wakanda Forever. Uh, Or, you know, maybe they even go further back and, you know, they tell some of T'Challa's father's, you know, stories. but I don't know, or maybe some Killmonger stuff, but I guess that doesn't really work with the synopsis. Uh, But hell, I mean, really the sky's the limit. So I'm all for this series. I definitely could see this being kind of like a Tales of the Jedi type of thing, like what they did with Ahsoka, you know, showing like her origins and stuff like that, how she even became part of the Jedi. And we see that with T'Challa. I could easily see them doing little bits and pieces there. Yeah, I mean, that that would make sense. you know, I mean, there's so many different characters, too, that they introduced, you know, throughout, you know, both of those films mm-hmm. um, that they could really, you know, really kind of explore them more and, you know, their backstories. So, uh, like I said, I'm all for this. All right. Up next, we've got an update for Captain America Brave New World. Additional scenes are currently in the works for Captain America Brave New World, as Deadline reports Matthew Orton, who worked on Moon Knight, has been hired to write on these new scenes. It is believed shooting will begin you know, in early spring or early summer of next year, with the film set to release February 14th, 2025. So, of course, you know how the Internet was when, you know, this story got out. It was all doom and gloom and the sky was falling, but... I mean, 
I wouldn't necessarily panic. Reshoots are definitely a big part of every Marvel film. They always make sure to schedule time, you know, for them from the beginning, the very beginning of production. So it's really not any kind of indictment on the film's overall quality. Uh, you know, it's usually more about like little tweaks and stuff. So, but I mean, who knows? It's interesting that they did bring in another writer, but that might also be the norm. I'm not sure. I, you know, I really enjoyed the Moon Knight series. So, I mean, it feels like a good choice, but who knows? I mean, time will tell. But we don't know if it was just like a scheduling issue with the other writers. They could be working on something else and stuff exactly. like that. Yeah. So. No, I mean, that definitely could be, you know, the issue. Mm. So, and like I said, that could also be the norm, um, depending on what scenes they're trying to shoot or if they're, you know, they've got a different take on something. Um, they might want to bring in fresh eyes. I just don't think it's anything to freak out about right now. Exactly. I mean, we we do this story like every year with the next Marvel film. Like they're right. always doing reshoots. So yeah, I think the last one we heard about was with Multiverse of Madness. And in all fairness, that film wasn't the greatest, but um, it wasn't something that you know. It wasn't a case where they were trying to like you know reshoot half the movie or something like that. Um, the issues I had with that film, I don't think any reshoots could really address. So. Um, you know, that was that was just a script problem overall. But again, I feel like films like Civil War, Endgame, I, I believe they all had reshoots before they came out. So fuck it. I mean, look at Rogue One. Uh huh. Right. Yes. Like, I think they reshot half the movie. <laughs> so it is what it is. And that that film turned out great. So, I mean, come on, we'll we'll be fine, people. I mean, relax. Let's wait to freak out until we actually see the movie. Uh, All right, well, moving on to more MCU news. It looks like Thor 5 might be targeting a new director. Rumors have been circulating as to who the next Thor film's director could be after Taika Waititi commented not you know too long ago about him not continuing to work on this franchise. Insiders have been pointing at Gareth Edwards as a top choice for the position, with Gareth most recently directing the creator and having worked with Disney before on Rogue One. Though Gareth himself has claimed that he is not currently attached to any Marvel projects right now. So here's the thing. I just don't know if anyone really has an appetite for another Thor movie. Uh, like, I'm fine if he pops up in another, you know, MCU film. And I mean, maybe that will actually help me fall in love with the character again, I guess. But I don't know. I mean, let's concentrate and build up some other great Marvel characters and, you know, give them time to shine. Uh, it just feels like we keep on going back to the well just way too much. Uh, I know he's a proven commodity and, you know, that's how these things work. And at this point, Marvel's, you know, probably interested in a sure thing, uh, which Thor has pretty much been. Uh, but man, like, how about... I don't know, like a Young Avengers film or, you know, Ghost Rider, or, you know, even a character like Darkhawk, who never got his just due in the comics. But I mean, there's just so much potential there for a great movie. I don't know. I mean, Christian, how do you feel about this? I'm fine with them continuing on with Thor's story as long as it, you know, takes a, at least a different direction than what we've gotten in the past few films. 
you know are you, talk, like it, are you talking tone wise yeah definitely tone wise yes um if if we get a more serious story and it's you know it feels like a different chapter for the character um and maybe there's a little bit more growth there for him then i'm i'm I, you know i don't this is a franchise that's going to probably last for generations and generations at this point um with how the mcu is going and if they as long as they're making i don't know man <laughs> have you, have you well, been paying attention to the box office lately? <laughs> well, that's my point. If they make, if it's a good film, then sure. If it's, you know, if they continue to put out a good story with Thor, then I'll, I'll be fine with it. Like, I'm fine with them continuing Thor's story, but I think you could do it in other films and other ways. Mm -hmm. And I also feel like it's okay to take a breather, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> like, I don't need this to come out in the next two years. Not at all. I mean, I feel like... You know, it's a weekly occurrence now that we hear Bob Iger talk about how they're going to go back to quality over quantity. Um, but then at the same time, like week after week, we keep on reporting on all these rumors of new Marvel projects like, you know, on the horizon. Uh, so I, I just it's like they're talking out of both sides of their mouths. You know, it, it's OK to take a fucking breather. Like... <laughs> You know, like get some of these other, you know, characters some time to shine. And I don't know, like, I understand like Thor is a safe bet. But at the same time, if you don't invest in the rest of the universe, like it becomes almost like this self-fulfilling prophecy. Like you actually have to flesh out these other characters and give them the spotlight. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Thor, even though I wasn't a, you know, a huge fan of the last film. Um, and thought it was pretty much, you know, dog shit. But, I mean, I still love the character. And I would be totally fine with him popping up in, like, Secret Wars. Uh, but, you know, it just, we gotta tell some other stories here. Right? I mean, if you want to, like, sustain this universe, then, like, let's start taking a deep dive on these other characters. Um, and I'm scared with, like, the lack of success of some of the most recent you know, Marvel films that they're going to try to go back to square one. And, we are, and we've already heard rumors of that, you know, with them mm -hmm. wanting to like bring back the Avengers and everything like that. And, the, and those are just rumors at this point. And, you know, I feel like there is an organic way to do that story. But at the same time, you shouldn't be, you know, sacrificing the future of the franchise to do so, if that makes any sense. Yeah, like Shang-Chi has probably been the most successful new thing to be you know introduced into the mcu yeah um, character wise character wise um, box office wise probably that was during the pandemic so it's you know those numbers are all skewed you know so it's hard to really tell um i see a lot being writing on that second film you know critically it, it was successful and i hmm. think a lot of fans enjoyed that movie but now we're like what how many years out from you know i mean why aren't we working on a sequel to that i mean we haven't even gotten a cameo from him which i assumed no. would be happening so but and to top things off like you know they still have to introduce the fantastic four um the fucking x-men <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's just like just let's pump the brakes on thor 5 <laughs> i know they i know they won't but i mean i'd rather have them just kind of focus on these you know newer characters that they're about to introduce 
Well, anyway, moving on, we've got some news regarding Supergirl and the new DCU. Industry insider Daniel RPK this week confirmed that Sasha Kale would not be returning as Supergirl for the future of the DCU but added a new Supergirl would be appearing in Superman Legacy, with casting rumored to be on the way for this character right now. The film is still slated for a July 11th, 2025 release. So, I mean, this is definitely disappointing to hear, uh, but I guess it's no big surprise. Uh, Gunn probably wants to put his own stamp on the character, which I get. It's just unfortunate, though, because even though we didn't get to spend a lot of time with Supergirl, she was you know, one of the only highlights of that Flash film. Uh, so it just kind of feels like a big waste at the end of the day. But I mean, so was most of that film. And I'm sure WB would rather have us just forget about it altogether at this point. Uh, I don't know. I'm more surprised by the fact that we're going to get Supergirl in the Superman Legacy film. Uh, that movie just sounds jam packed at this point, uh, which is a little concerning. But, I mean, James Gunn has definitely earned our trust, so I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, per usual, like I, I, that's one of the main things I always compliment Gunn on is his ability to do a good film with an ensemble cast. But I am nervous with the amount of characters that just seem to keep being added to this film. I, I'm not I'm not going to lie. It, it's It's been a lot at this point. Well, yeah, I mean... <laughs> There's an ensemble cast, and then there's just, you know, ridiculousness. And, I mean, like, he's doing the entire, like, Justice Society. Yes. And the Authority. So, along with all these other, like, ancillary characters. So, I I, I mean, Godspeed. Uh, you know, like I said, he he's definitely earned our, like, trust. I mean, he's got that equity built up, you know, with... The fandom but it does feel like he might be biting off more than he can chew so I, I mean i can't lie i am a little nervous well christian it looks like the rumors are true we've got a death stranding movie in the works being financed by hammerstone studios hideo kojima's death stranding is now in active development over at a24 the creative team has yet to be established but it's said that the game's creator will be heavily involved in the making of the film of course, in between working on the game's sequel and recently announced horror project OD, which as we reported last week has director Jordan Peele attached. So basically, all the information I know about this game is from what you've told me, which is pretty much just how weird and fucked up it is. So I would have to assume that A24 would be just the perfect studio to produce this film. Uh, am I wrong? I mean, as a fan, I would think that you'd be over the moon. I mean, this definitely feels like it's a film right up A24's wheelhouse. I mean, I, just thinking about like possibly like the director of like the Green Knight, David Lowry, getting their hands on a project like this. It's the it's the it's the right amount of weird um, and adventure to, you know, be something that I would see A24 doing just a great job like this. Like if Ari Aster got onto this, this would be perfect for him as well. It's just a lot of just weird tension on top of extremely disturbing visuals at times while also just scenic views so it's it's very a24 yeah speaking of which uh david lowry i i, I just rewatched green knight the other day because i consider it a christmas movie now 
you know. Okay, all right. <laughs> it's, it's Christmas ad- <laughs> Christmas adjacent. Um, yeah, that, that movie is fucking breathtaking. It, it mm-hmm. really is shot so beautifully. Um, you know, if you haven't seen it in a while, definitely you know take the time to rewatch it. I, I feel like it's kind of got lost in the shuffle over the last couple of years. You know, it, it was released during the pandemic, um, but mm. I, like I personally forgot about the film and just like was, you know, looking for something to watch and happened upon it. I was like, oh shit, this this was really good. And I totally forgot about it. So it's Maybe definitely it worth to become uh, a holiday uh, special. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm always, you know how I am. You know, I'm always uh-huh. looking for those weird Christmas films. So, um, yeah, it's definitely worth a, a rewatch. All right, well, next up, it looks like we're going to get another sequel to The Orphan. THR This Week reports that director William Brent Bell, who worked on Orphan First Kill, is back for another Orphan film, with Brent claiming where they left things off with First Kill has opened up the franchise to anything being possible. It's unclear if it will be a proper sequel or another prequel film at this time. So I liked the first film and I really dug what they did with the sequel. I mean, they weren't afraid to lean into the campiness of the setup, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, no matter how you look at it. Uh, but they knew what kind of movie they were making and they celebrated that. And, you know, as a fan, yeah, I appreciate that. So, I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to this, uh, and I'm curious to see what they have up their sleeve. Well, on to more horror news. It looks like we've got a big update for Universal and Blumhouse's upcoming Wolfman reboot. Another horror story out of THR claims that Leigh Whannell, who directed The Invisible Man and has starred in several horror films himself, is working with Blumhouse once again to direct the Wolfman film. Originally, the project was to have Derek C. in France directing with Ryan Gosling starring, but now Leigh Whannell's take will have Christopher Abbott of Poor Things fame in the lead role, though Gosling is still set to be an executive producer on this film. Additionally, they announced a release date for October 25th, 2024. So. Christopher Abbott is a fine actor. Uh, I've seen him in It Comes at Night and Possessor, uh, which he was great in. And I mean, Lay killed it recently directing Invisible Man. So I'm totally fine with him sitting in the big chair again. Uh, I'm wondering if this is going to be a modern take, like with what he did in Invisible Man, or if this is going to be like gothic. Um, I'm hoping for the latter, but I mean, a present day update could be interesting also yeah i think they have to stick with the you know present day theme especially after you know, what he did with invisible man it just seems like that's why you would bring him back for this i am interested to know you know what that other film was going to be though with ryan gosling and uh derek c in france like i I wonder what like really you know fell apart there. Well, I don't think it fell apart. I think it was uh, you know, and I'm reading into this, um, but I, I it sounds like it was more of a schedule thing, because mm. I mean uh, Lee was all, always part of this production, so I don't I, I don't think this is going to be a different take per se. Um, that's not what I got out of the story. So I think they're you know they're just having to reshuffle the deck a little, and you know Lee's stepping in as uh, the director. Um, and they just had to find someone to uh, fill uh, Gosling's shoes because Gosling's staying on as a producer too. Mm. So, but back to um, you know this possibly being a modern take on the Wolfman. I mean, it's not like they're trying to create like a universal monster, you know, universe, you know, for the lack of a better term. So I think they could do whatever the fuck they want. Um, 
you know, and this is just me being, you know, the universal nerd that I am and hoping that, you know, they go back to the roots and tell like that classic Wolfman story. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I'm sure there's studio execs out there like, well, this worked with this film. We got to do uh-huh. it, you know, let's, you know, of course, carbon copy it and try to do it, you know, with all the universal monsters, which feels like a you know very typical you know studio thing to do you know after they get a little taste of success um you know i mean i feel like a classic wolfman story could still work um and man i don't think we've ever really gotten that since the original wolfman series so um you know maybe you know Winnell can you know bring that to us finally all right well lastly it looks like we've got another saw sequel in the works After the success of Saw X with the return of the franchise star Tobin Bell, Lionsgate has announced the games will continue with Saw 11 coming September 27th, 2027 on social media. No cast updates or creative team changes have been announced yet, but most people are speculating it will just be, you know, the same people that worked on the last film. I mean, with the success of the last movie, no one should be surprised by this announcement. Uh... They're going to keep on churning these things out as long as people show up to the theaters, uh, which is the way it should work. So I, I'm I'm happy to see this franchise continue. In my book, the more horror, the better. For me, it's just as long as Tobin Bell is still involved, I'm I'm fine with it. And, and they don't like start going back into the side characters uh, <laughs> as the killers. <laughs> Do you think they try to continue the story from where the last film left off? I think they've opened up a position to be like, this was just another time where, you know, he had someone trapped in a, you know, a different scenario. Like someone else pissed him off. You know, this is, that's They're, all they have to do. This is kind of like his vigilante arc, mm-hmm. right? Which I guess if you think about it, I mean, that's what he is. He's just a dark and twisted vigilante with a sick idea of justice. I'm just happy with like this plus Wolfman. We're getting a lot of, you know, great new horror films coming in, you know, October season. So that's always good to look forward. That's to. what they say right now. But I always feel like <laughs> October's like the first month to get like reshuffled for some reason. Mm. Um, so we'll see knock on wood because i felt like you know uh, this past year i was like oh we're gonna have all these great films in october and then by the time we got to october everything fucking changed and like half the horror films were like pushed back or pushed forward so so here's to hoping but i mean for some reason studios just don't understand that like horror fans and just movie fans in general want to see horror movies around Halloween. Like, I don't understand why this concept is so fucking hard for them to grasp. Uh, <laughs> but it seems like they're always surprised every time a horror movie does well in October. Um, I don't I don't get it. And now it's time for Christian's Corner. This week in gaming, we learned from Naughty Dog Studios that they will no longer be working on The Last of Us Online, their multiplayer version of The Last of Us games. In their statement, they claimed to release to release and support The Last of Us Online, we'd have to put all our studio's resources behind supporting post-launch content for years to come, which would severely impact development on future single-player games. So we had two paths in front of us, become a solely live-service game studio or continue to focus on single-player narrative games that have defined Naughty Dog's heritage. While this may be a disappointing choice to some as this multiplayer version has been being you know, hyped up for a little bit since The Last of Us 2, 
I'm personally glad that Naughty Dog isn't, you know, stretching themselves too thin to try and make this work. If the game was going to impact the quality of all their other titles, then yes, this was the right choice. Um, that's not to say that I couldn't see Sony hiring on another studio or team to, you know, pick up production here. As it seems like live service games have been, you know, part of Sony's, you know, target lately. But in recent weeks, Sony has, you know, been you know, kind of stepping back. Um, I believe they originally had 12 games in the works for live services to be coming out in the next year. And I think they uh, recently delayed half of those. And it has to be because of the, you know, current climate with, you know, live service games people are have been trashing them left and right and it's because a lot of them just aren't that good a lot of them get rushed out and the content isn't worth sticking around for you know waiting for updates to come out every few months to play a boring game so you know things are definitely changing as far as live services goes but we'll see um you know there, there's so much money that can be made it's just like after every once in a while when one does become a hit it makes it seem like all those failures are worth it for you know studios like this you know everyone wants money so and if it, you can make a game that makes you limitless money a la gta online then of course you're gonna go for it but speaking of going for money um in other news there's been some vague details to come out regarding another major leak in the games industry as hackers have gotten into Insomniac Studios and are threatening to release data and info on the Marvel Wolverine game. The group of hackers are called Residia, um, having and have given Insomniac seven days to pay them or they take their files to auction starting at around 50 Bitcoins, aka $2 million. Um, Sony has claimed they are aware of the situation as and ensured consumers that only Insomniac has been affected by hackers and the rest of Sony's holdings are still secure at this time. I think I share the same sentiment as a lot of people that have heard about this news this week. Um, hackers, go after someone important. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why we're attacking game companies so much lately, but I mean, I guess it's an easy, easy money grab in their eyes. Perhaps I, I don't know. Before we move on, I did get to try the God of War Ragnarok DLC Valhalla this week. I know lots of Sony talk this week, but um, uh, we tried it out on stream and I was pleasantly surprised by how narrative driven it was. You know, a part of me thought it might just be a roguelike experience uh, that would just focus more on combat than anything else. Now, I mean, this does do just that. It's very combat oriented, but the satisfying gameplay of, you know, God of War is only enriched by, you know, new story beats tying in Kratos' past that make for a truly interesting DLC that is reportedly longer than the Modern Warfare's recent campaign. Um, it's free for those who own God of War, so I highly recommend trying it out for yourselves. Um, I will be getting back into it as I do want to know where this story is going. I thought it might be just something I try out and then put down, but this is definitely something I want to do a little bit more of. Tekken 8's um, demo is this weekend um, for PS5, and I think um, it'll be coming out the next weekend for PC and Xbox. So we might try out the Tekken demo on stream for a little bit before hopping back into Starfield. So keep an eye out for The Amazing Nerd Show on Twitch as we try to go live every weekend. Uh, but with that said, let's go ahead and move on to some wrestling. It's funny, Starks, you keep bragging that you don't have a name. I think they need a name, right? Yeah, we, we can fix that. We can fix that. How about this? How about this? How about this? The absolute assholes. Oh, come on now. That's a little rough. You can do better. No, I can do better. I can do better. I can, I can do better. I can do better. I can do better. 
No, we're gonna try okay, again, guys. We're gonna try again. I can do better. I can do better. How about the Rick and the Dick? Chris, hey, is this your first day on the job? Oh, I know. You've got to be. It's got to be like I'll a be more double, creative, triple I'll be more creative. Wait, wait, I got, I got, I got, I got. Yeah, it's How about we take his first name and yeah. his last name, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, yeah. AEW Tag Team Champs, Big Billy Starks. There it is. Well, that one fell flat. Kind of did. All right, Christian, it was another crazy week in wrestling. Uh, we had some huge rumors swirling around both AEW and WWE. Uh, apparently, uh, as the rumor goes, uh, WWE met with WBD about possibly uh, getting the rights to Raw. Um, obviously, this would be a big deal because WBD uh, is the home of AEW. Um, you know, it's not to say that they can't have both shows on their you know channels, but it seems pretty unlikely, especially with how tight you know they are money wise right now. Yeah, I, I was just wondering. <laughs> I can't imagine them you know paying all this money for Raw and then still you know re-upping AEW at the same time. Uh, so now, just because they met doesn't necessarily mean anything. It could just be, you know, both sides doing their due diligence. Of course, Twitter's being Twitter. Um, you know, we've got tons of tribalism going on. You've got, you know, WWE fans doing victory dances already, um, which honestly, like, listen, you know, no one's, I think harsher critics of AEW at times than we are. Um, but that's because we want to see the product like succeed. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you're out there openly rooting for, you know, the company to fail, you're just not a wrestling fan. Cause if you can't recognize that, you know, what AEW has brought to the table and done for the industry, then you just don't really care about, you know, wrestling in general. Like it, it, it doesn't make any sense to me because like one, you're rooting for people to lose their fucking jobs, which is just, you know, which just makes you a scumbag Two, mm -hmm. like, I mean, this not only gives people another place to work, but also gives like wrestlers who are in WWE currently, you know, some sort of leverage, Leverage that they didn't have before AEW existed. Um, exactly. Like we've seen contracts go up to a record high since the existence of AEW um, because once again, you know, these wrestlers actually have leverage and WWE is trying to keep them, um, you know, keep them away from AEW. <laughs> So like, like, like I said, if you're rooting for, you know, AEW to go out of business, then shame on you. It's ridiculous. Like, I don't get it. Like, you're not a fan of wrestling because even if you don't like the product, you should still want them to do well. Because also there's no denying that, you know, since the existence of AEW, the overall quality of WWE has gotten better because they've actually had to fucking care. Like, and yeah, maybe a lot of that is connected to like Vince getting the boot, but I mean, you know, competition is good for both sides. Um, and there's no denying that, you know, there were some lean years from WWE before you actually had, uh, you know, a, a solid number two. 
Um, you know, I mean, fans were falling off in record numbers. You know, like if you look at like 2018 and 2019. So, I mean, I just don't get it. Like, I don't understand that mindset. Um, you just can blind like, tribalism. You yes, know? you can like both shows too. And if you mm. don't like one show, don't watch it. Who gives a shit? You don't have to spend all your fucking energy like just bashing it. It's ridiculous. Um, and like you said, and this goes for any fandom. Yes, any fandom, please. Yes. <laughs> Marvel and DC fans, right? I mean, like, I mean, they're guilty of this too. So I just, I, I'll never understand that, you know, headspace. But I mean, that's neither here nor there. I'll get off my soapbox, I promise. But anyway, like I said, I don't think anyone should count out AEW just yet. Um, one meeting doesn't really mean that much in the business world. I mean, that's not to say that, you know, WBD could possibly, you know, want Raw. And there were rumors that they did actually talk prior and there was some kind of like feeling out process. But it sounds like, which is kind of ironic, it was the addition of CM Punk uh, to WWE that, you know, piqued WBD's, we're doing a lot of initials, WBD's <laughs> interest um, again. So we'll see what comes of it. I mean, I really hope Tony hasn't put all of his eggs in one basket. I, I hope he's a shrewder businessman than that, uh, because I feel like there should be plenty of suitors for AEW at the same time. I mean, they do just fine ratings wise, and a lot of times they are number one uh, in their time slot on Wednesdays. So, I mean, I'm I'm sure they could find another home if they need to. So we'll see what comes of this. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised either way with how insane the last couple of years have been in the world of wrestling. But I don't know. I just feel like people are potentially making a big deal out of nothing right now. Mm -hmm. So, but I mean, I've been wrong in the past. I think we should all just be waiting for Tony Khan's next special announcement. Oh, God, I hope not. I'm so over that. I think he's finally learned his lesson. <laughs> I sure hope so. Uh, but yeah, let's let's talk some AEW. Um, we're actually recording on Friday, and we just got the news that uh, looks like Kenny Omega is going to be out indefinitely. Um, now, I joked that this was just his way of getting out of the Jericho Vortex. Um, but it sounds like that segment so much. It was the worst. (laughs) It was so fucking cringy and we'll get into it in a little bit, but it looks Mm. like, uh, Kenny's been diagnosed reportedly with, uh, diverticulitis, uh, which has something to do with, I believe your bowels. Um, but like if it goes untreated, it could be quite serious. So obviously, you know, we wish him well and hopefully he's back sooner than later. Um, Too many trips to TGI Fridays. <laughs> Such a jerk. <laughs> this guy is laying in a hospital bed, Christian, in pain. Uh, I guess he worked through the pain, though, so my hat's off to him. Like, he actually worked the match on Collision against Ethan Page uh, while dealing with this. And that god-awful segment on Wednesday. Um, but yeah, no, that, that was truly painful to watch i mean i felt like i had uh diverticulitis um <laughs> while watching I, we should stop joking about this man yes um forgive, we, i do care forgive <laughs> us yes <laughs> we're just awful people um but yeah no i mean holy shit i don't know what went off the rails um like kenny just felt so unfocused and now we know probably why <laughs> 
Like, he just didn't feel like he was really interested in what was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you couldn't even get the name of his fucking tag team right. <laughs> I was like, if, Kenny, if you don't care enough to know the name of your team, why should we? Like, I don't... Um, we I mean, had, maybe he is a Winnipeg Jets fan. I, you know, maybe I'm sure he is. He's from Winnipeg, but still, like, come on. But to rewind, if you didn't actually watch the show, uh, the segment we're talking about was between uh, the Golden Jets, which is Jericho and Omega, and uh, Big Bill and Ricky Starks. Uh, you know, the, Jericho and Omega came out. Um, and right off the bat, it was really awkward. Kenny, like, totally stepped all over Judas. Like, the, the fans, like, <laughs> singing judas was like kenny like this has been happening for four years now and you don't realize how this works like you've got to let them sing along but like he just like just started cutting like his his fucking promo um as they were still singing which was kind of weird um also kenny's back to his like substitute gym teacher look which i i just (laughs) you know maybe this is just like the the wwe brain that i have but like (laughs) I want my superstars to actually look like superstars. I don't know, man. Like <laughs> he just feels comfortable in this. This is what he wears. I Come don't know. On, though, the gym shorts or the I... <laughs> But he totally yeah, he totally looks like a fucking substitute gym yes. teacher. <laughs> I mean he looked like a star at least. Like not like some fan in you know the nosebleed section. Like it I just I don't know, man. I I don't want to sound like fucking cornet or something, but it, it just gets me every time I see him out there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the segment starts off with, you know, Jericho talking about how the last time we saw him, he was getting jumped after the press conference. Uh, I believe it was full gear, right? Um, you know, he's wearing this giant arm brace. Uh, he gets cut off, though, by Starks and, you know, Big Bill coming out. Uh, you know, Starks gets on the mic. He, he Thanks, uh, Kenny Omega for AEW, um, but then starts to lay into Jericho, talking about how he just sucks the life out of everything. And then mm. Starks goes down the list of examples, you know, bringing up the inner circle, bringing up JAS. I mean, he's not wrong. Uh, <laughs> and I'm a Jericho apologist, but <laughs> I mean, no one's really, I don't know, better for wear after being in one of Jericho's factions. I mean, you could definitely make that argument at least. But then, you know, they they start to question Omega, like, why would you possibly trust, you know, Jericho? And Omega, you know, clearly states that he doesn't trust Jericho whatsoever, and he knows that, you know, he'll probably eventually turn on him. And then we get some horrible, horrible (laughs) one-liners And it, it just doesn't stop for the entire segment. No. It just Kenny makes some bad joke about the firm and how like no one remembers them and you know says that they should be called flaccid instead and just all big, you know, set up for him to call Big Bill soft because yes, of you know, yes. his old which, catchphrases. I mean that got a pop from the crowd, which is fine, but it was a real long way about to get there, mm. right? Um, but this is also when Kenny then couldn't actually remember the name of his own tag team, which, I mean, if he's got a fucking fever and he's in a lot of pain, I, I think we need to cut the guy some fucking slack. Uh, you know, uh, he challenges uh, Starks and Big Bill to uh, a tag match at the pay-per-view for the championship since they've, you know, 
they've won the number one contendership away from the Young Bucks at full mm-hmm. gear. So they are rightfully the number one contenders, I guess. Uh, even though no one wants to see that, honestly. Uh, you know, Starks accepts the challenge, uh, brings up the fact that, you know, he's actually been Jericho twice in the past year. Um, somehow they start talking about how, you know, Starks and Big Bill don't have a team name. And then more cringe-inducing dialogue ensued. Um, Jericho goes about trying to, like, name the tag team. Well, Jericho and Kenny. Uh <laughs> He, he first starts off with calling them absolute a-holes, uh, assholes, right? I think it just gets, like, bleeped yes. out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which didn't really get over. And, I mean, usually fans are looking for a reason to chant asshole, but this just didn't really click with this crowd. Uh, then they go with the Rick and the Dick. Which, yes. Yeah, that, that also did not go over very well. Uh, and then we got the worst one of them all. Uh, Big Billy Starks. Yeah. Which I was so confused about. And then I realized, oh, like the, the female wrestler, Billy Starks, I guess. Oh, okay. Was that the insult? I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just <laughs> fucking awful. Like, I was like, what? This makes, you know, Starks, you know, call out Jericho for his awful material. Rightfully so. Starks then accuses Jericho of shopping at Hot Topic, which then uh, gets Jericho to quit back with probably the best one-liner of the entire segment, saying that uh, Starks is a better-dressed, less charismatic version of Enzo Amore, which actually did get a huge pop from the crowd. But like that was the high point of the segment, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um. And then we got Omega pointing out that, you know, at least Enzo actually, like, hyped up Big Bill, which is true. I mean, Starks and, like, Big Bill, like, they just don't have much chemistry together, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I felt like there was some potential there at first, but, like, I don't know. They just don't do anything for me. Like, in the ring, outside of the ring, they just, I mean, they just don't feel like a good fit. Um, But I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Uh, but yeah, no, like Starks then starts going into like eighties wrestler promo, um, just talking really fast and really loud saying he's sick and tired of, you know, of all this. And that, you know, he calls them like Winnipeg scumbags and, you know, says that they're the best tag team in the world and, you know, to bring it at world's end. And then we get Kenny stumbling over his own fucking lines, (laughs) (laughs) which I mean, how many times has he fucking said, you know, the whole I bid you adieu line at this point, you know, mm-hmm. thousands. I, <laughs> I just kept. But I mean, this should have been a longer. sign. Yes, this should have been a sign that something was off with Kenny. So um, I don't know. This was just a clunker of a segment. And, you know, it didn't get over with the crowd. It didn't get over with, you know, the audience at home. And it's definitely probably up there with, you know, one of the worst segments on AEW TV all year. Um, yeah, this was just a train wreck. I mean, if anything, this is probably a good example of why maybe it's good to have at least a couple writers on your staff, you know, to help out with segments like this. Um, even though it's, you know, season pros like Omega and, you know, Jericho, I mean... But this was just okay. a dumpster fire altogether, and I can't imagine this sold anyone on the fucking pay-per-view. 
If anything, it's at the opposite. What do you think they're going to do? You think they're just going to have Jericho get a new partner, or do you think they'll scrap it for right now? Well, yeah, that's the thing. Now, you know, with Omega being out, because I can't imagine him being back in time for no, the pay-per-view no in two weeks. I'm sure he's going to need more time to recover. So, I don't know, maybe they delay it, or they have another team, you know, challenge Starks and Bill. Um, yeah, I have no clue you know, where they're going to head with this. Um, we know that the Young Bucks are off, you know, on sabbatical right now, and they're supposed to come back with, like, a pretty big, like, gimmick change, mm -hmm. uh, like being massive heels. So I don't know if they're going to, you know, try to shotgun that. Um, but I would rather have them not do that. I'd rather have them just delay this and, you know, keep on track with the story they're trying to tell. Um so I, I don't know that this was just awful, though. Like Starks has been a part of a lot of like wonky kind of segments, though. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe he does need a writer. Like, <laughs> I don't know if it's just like them trying to ad lib or something, like you know, about him. Like, because we had that weird, you know, promo with him and Edge. Do you remember that? And there's been other promos that just don't always hit. Like there's a weird awkwardness. Mm -hmm. To his style. I feel like that maybe throws off like other wrestlers or something. Um, you know, you think he's just ruining everyone's promos. I don't know. Like, cause <laughs> he's kind of like the common denominator mm -hmm. with a lot of these segments. So I don't know, like for some reason, like when he's involved, like when things go off the rails, like it, it feels like he's like involved. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. It's, there's nothing wrong with needing, you know, a script. I mean, there are plenty of wrestlers who, you know, need lines, and that's totally fine. Um, or just, you know, like some guidance, at least. Mm -hmm. So, and he might be one of them. Like, when he hits a home run, he hits a fucking home run. He's more than capable of hitting a home run. Don't get me wrong. But, man, when he's off, it's ugly. So, and like, I'm not blaming Starks completely for the segment. Don't get me wrong. But I I saw a lot of people too, like trying to turn around and say, oh, well, Starks was, you know, holding back and, and saying like Starks saved the segment, which I don't know what the fuck they were watching. I honestly think that's just like Jericho bias. Like everyone's just trying to blame Jericho for everything at this point, which listen, he, he does deserve some blame, but this was just, I don't know, man. I think there's plenty of blame to pass around to everyone here. I mean, but one bad segment aside, I, I thought the show overall was pretty fucking solid. And I think a lot of that's due to the Continental uh, Classic, you know, tournament. Just kind of elevating things with some damn good wrestling. And that goes for both shows, you know, Collision and Dynamite. Uh, this week was the first time we actually had some of the blue bracket on Dynamite. Uh, most of yes. that's been taking place on uh you know collision i wonder if they made that choice because you know it was supposed to be winter's coming so they're trying to make the you know episode feel even more special also they are in texas so they're trying to get like you know people like andrade on you know the the episode so i could see that but i feel like dynamite absolutely benefited from having both brackets on this week's episode because we got ourselves some damn good matches with that being said were there any 
like big surprises for you when it came to the tournament this week? I mean, we, we talked about it plenty last week. I thought for sure we were going to get maybe a tie or yeah, draw. Um, Swerve would even be the one to come out on top. I did not expect Moxley to beat, you know, Swerve the way he did, at least. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that they had him cheat to do it. And I think there's mm-hmm. probably something to that story there. Um, you know, something that they'll revisit. Because not only did he hold Swerve's belt with both fucking hands, but Swerve's shoulder was clearly yes. up, too. So, and that felt purposeful. So, you know, I, so I'm guessing that's going to, like, lead into a bigger story between him and uh, Moxley, Swerve and Moxley. Uh, but I, I felt like they, they absolutely had the match of the night. And surprisingly, like, bloodless. I was, oh, yeah. I was expecting a bloodbath, <laughs> right? Knowing both of these guys' backgrounds, mm-hmm. but that didn't happen at all. We just got some damn good wrestling, which there's nothing wrong with. I think a big surprise for me was Andrade beating uh, Brian on Collision. I didn't see that yes. coming. Uh, I'm glad that, you know, you had someone working Brian's, you know, eye. Since he's got that, you know, target on his fucking head with that orbital injury. It really made sense. I just, I just didn't see it coming, though. I mean, that... That injury must be healed enough for the beating he got right on top of that eyebrow. I mean, that was intense. Yeah, to think that he's you know possibly reeling from. <laughs> well, it was fun. intense enough and well worked enough to make some people actually believe he was re-injured. So, uh-huh. um, but that's what you know Brian does, right? <laughs> it's yes. not the first time, and it won't be the last time. <laughs> um, True artist, right? Right. Uh, otherwise, I mean, we got a really nice victory for Roosh. Um, you know, they told the story of him, you know, putting uh, Lethal to sleep using a chokehold similar to the one that Moxley used. So definitely feels like there's unfinished business there. Uh, mm. Lethal left uh, the match looking dejected. Uh, Jared and squad couldn't console him. So I'm wondering if we're going to see him kind of break away, you know, from the group possibly and you know you know get a baby face run um i don't know like i i hate the fact that like both you know lethal and briscoe or like have goose eggs right now uh on the brackets i think they could have worked it a little better or at least have them you know at least one of them pick up a victory even if it's just against mm-hmm. each other <laughs> Um, so there just feels like there's some more stakes and like a chance that they could, you know, you know, be victorious on, you know, in any one of these given matches. But like now, like they're just the guys who eat the pin. Like I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see them play spoiler to someone. Um, but at this point it just feels like Moxley is a sure bet to like end up in the finals of this thing when all said and done. Um, Yeah, uh, he's the only one with 12 points across the entire board. That was against Briscoe. Uh, I think White has nine points. So if he beats Moxley, he would be tied with him. And then they have one, they both have one more match after that, right? Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, you, so, I mean. This, maybe if they had been like pushing along Moxley's, you know, whole like he's kind of tired and injured, you know, thing they, they haven't they mentioned brought that weeks up. ago. Yeah, in the last two weeks, which is weird because they were really harping on that at first. Mm -hmm. I just can't picture Jay White getting a win over Moxley at this point. 
Yeah. Yeah. Unless like somehow there's hijinks from Swerve, but it would have to mm. take place like before the match, like backstage or something like that, since we know that there's no interference allowed. Um, because <coughs> he's got 12. So if he loses twice, he'd stay at 12. If Swerve wins twice, he could technically. Like he's not out of the running, and I, and I could be wrong, but Swerve's not necessarily out of the running to win, you know, the bracket either. Because if Moxley loses twice and Swerve and Swerve wins twice, then Swerve would actually be in the lead. So there's a lot of possibilities here, <laughs> right? Which I which is what I love about a ro- around Robin. Hmm. You know, that's what makes it so fun. Is like everyone has to wrestle you know, these matches, no matter what, it's not, you know, a single elimination type deal. Um, so even if there's no way, you know, you can possibly win, there's still a lot of stories that they could tell. Um, you know, like it's a big deal if someone ends up going to a draw or, you know, someone picks up a fluke victory in the next two weeks. If we see like, you know, lethal or, um, Briscoe, or uh, Garcia, who all I, all three of them at this point, I correct me if I'm wrong, they all have, you know, z- no points. So, um, you know, I, I could definitely see them playing spoiler to someone, you know, knocking them out of, you know, contention. Um, and who knows, maybe one of them will be Moxley. Um, it's probably highly unlikely since I feel like it's we're going to see Moxley versus Kingston. I feel like this is, mm-hmm. you know, that's where they're headed. Um. But it should be fun getting there. So I, do you have a favorite? Do you have a, I know we made predictions before, but now that we're like more than halfway through the, you know, tournament, I mean, um, how do you I, see it shaping up? I mean, it all depends on like how, if they get behind Eddie enough to give him that true push into the finals, I feel like you have to, you know, give him the win. Mm-hmm. Just so you can tell that full underdog story. Right. Um, I, I don't I can't imagine that, you know, Moxley would go a complete clean record and then also win. No, you know, the I don't see know, that happening triple at all. Crown or whatever. I think this tournament's uh, Kingston's to lose, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, and we said it right from the get go, like when he put his like both of his belts on the line, like it kind of telegraphed everything like where this was all headed. I just don't see him losing those belts without actually defending them. Um, so, I mean, he'll at least be in the finals, I'm guessing. Do you actually have the brackets, the updated brackets in front of you? Um, I have the point ranges in front of me. So I have, you know, Moxie with 12 points. I got Swerve and Switchblade, uh, with nine. Um, Roosh has six right now. Um, and then Jay Lethal and Mark Briscoe are at zero for that's for the, uh, and now Swerve has a tiebreaker over White because Swerve beat Jay White. And yes. Moxley has the tiebreaker over Swerve. So, I mean, could we get like a, could we get like a three-way tie? Does that work out math-wise? Because <laughs> if oh. if White beats Moxley, hmm. like Moxley would have to lose his next two matches, right? Yeah. And then White would have to win well, White could win one match and lose one match because he'd still be at 12 points. And then Swerve could win one and lose one, right? Although yeah. I don't know who he's wrestling against. 
I don't know. It's just it's too much math for me right now to think about. <laughs> so I could be completely off with everything I just said. So forgive me if I am. Uh, but anyway, what's going on with the blue bracket? Uh, you know, how are the points shape shaping up? Well, in the lead, we have Andrade El Idolo for nine points. Uh, Brody King and Brian Danielson have six points. Claudio and Eddie Kingston have three points. And Daniel Garcia is sitting at zero. Well, I definitely didn't foresee Andrade being the leader you know at the end of this week so Mm -hmm. um i mean that's definitely curious because i mean there's also tons of rumors around andrade and you know his future he's returned to cmll um because in his words and i'm I'm paraphrasing but i mean he said that he wants to wrestle there because you know he might end up back with wwe so who knows when he'll ever get the chance again so I mean, that dude has been jonesing to get out of AEW, you know, for the last year or two. I mean, he went as far as punching fucking Sammy. <laughs> trying to get fucking fired. Yes. <laughs> Apparently that only works for CM Punk, though. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. It's just interesting that they're booking him so strong, you know, possibly on his way out. Um, I mean. I'm still waiting for Miro to just show up and kick his head off in like the middle of one of these matches, you know? I don't think they'll go that route just because they're being so strict with like the no interference rule. Mm -hmm. I think if they do something, it'll be backstage, you know, where he can't compete for some, you know, because of Miro. Um, If they, if they decide to go in that direction, the only person that makes me question my uh, Kingston pick is, you know, Brian Danielson. Because he feels like he would be the favorite, you know, to win this whole thing. And we know, like, this is basically his baby. This is like Tony Khan's way of giving, you know, Brian a taste of the G1. But at the same time, Brian's totally the type to set this all up for someone else. Yeah, right. Know? So he can lose it all. Uh-huh. <laughs> but hopefully a lot of great stories come out of this. I mean, I could see, you know. Something strong for, you know, Garcia after all this is said and done. Like if he does get like some kind of victory at the end, like where he goes on to like build on that momentum and everything. I mean, we've we've already seen him leaning into more of the wrestling side of his character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. I really feel like this tournament when it's all said and done has the potential to lead to a lot of other great things. Um, and I feel like it's really just stabilized the booking over the last month like you know having you know a guaranteed you know handful of great matches on every show regardless um you know i I think it's been just a big help to you know aw as a whole i mean who doesn't love a good tournament arc you know it's when done right because we've seen some pretty shitty tournaments over the last couple of years, <laughs> and some of this, some of this actually taken place on AEW TV, where they're just so predictable. It's like, come on, Tony, you're not even trying. Um, but you know, this one, you know, knock on wood, has been damn good so far. Uh, so Christian, before we get going, uh, who's your prediction for who's behind the Devil's Mask? Are you like everyone else and? Just assuming it's Jungle Boy now after the whole windshield incident on uh, Dynamite. Um, I, I'm not leaning towards Jungle Boy still just because I feel like he's more probably a member of the group and not the devil itself. And again, because every time, you know, you throw this in front of me and it seems too obvious to one direction, I feel like it has to be someone else. Yeah. 
I agree um, with that. It, it feels like an obvious uh, like red herring. I tried to float around the idea, and this is stupid because it's definitely not possible. But I was trying to float around the idea of what if it was Samoa Joe this whole time? You know, like he's pulling the strings on all angles. I think that might be a bit of a stretch because I mean, body type wise, there's no hiding well, Samoa yeah, Joe. But I mean. He can just be like, I put someone in place. You know, it would be too obvious if I was standing there. I don't know, man. They'd be a little groan-inducing for me. Like, (laughs) I think it'd be kind of cheap if it isn't someone who, you know, we haven't seen at least wearing the devil's mask at this point. And I guess, like, the word is that they actually have the people who are involved in this devil's group wearing the costumes right now Hmm. so every time we see you know this you know devil and his i guess devil worshipers or whatever the fuck (laughs) we're calling them um you know they're the legit you know group that they're going to be once they do actually unmask that's interesting because i thought for sure claudio got like put on one of the masks this week really as like got picked up just the stance of the guy and the way he was moving, it, it felt like Claudio entirely. A lot of people are pointing to the fact that you can kind of see red trunks um, underneath uh, one of the wrestlers, uh, you know, get ups, um, mm-hmm. you know, which could be Roderick Strong, uh, especially since he wrestled on the card. Um, yeah. One feels like is definitely Wardlow. There was that moment where uh, Paige started to get the upper hand and, and the bigger guy of the group, like, you know, just put a stop to that right away um i don't know i I still feel like it's cole you know i mean Mm. the whole windshield thing is way too fucking obvious um and i think it's just their way of trying to get everyone off you know cole scent um do you think they reveal it like at the pay-per-view at world's end it's there was a lot It'd of be people. A good pop for it. There was a lot of people disappointed that the reveal didn't happen at full gear. I was like, why did you think the the reveal was happening at full gear? Like, the, I don't know. Like, nothing felt like it pointed to in that direction. Mm. So, um, I'm just concerned that they're going to stretch this out to the point where like no one cares anymore. Because um, I mean, That's we've seen possible. we've seen AEW do that in the past exactly. with these storylines. So, um, th- you know, I could see Tony wanting to wait for Adam Cole to be like actually clear to you know at least participate in some like physicality if he needed to. Um, and it, it sounds like he's still a long way out. So, but you know, maybe that's Cole working us too you know maybe he's completely healthy who the fuck knows <laughs> well that does it for this week as a friendly reminder make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform and while you're there leave a five-star review it really helps new listeners to find the podcast and for us to continue to grow also if you like the stories from this week's episode and want to keep up to date with the show follow us on social media at amazing nerd show or stop by the amazing and hey to support the show further and get additional weekly content you can subscribe to us now on patreon just follow the link in the show notes also, if you want to rep some Nerd Show swag, you can head over to tpublic.com to find t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional Nerd Show swag as long as you live in the United States. 
All right, make sure to join us next week as we talk all the latest news and rumors in nerd culture. And whatever's going on in the world of wrestling. My name's Christian. And my name's David. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. Dr. Gordon, and I'll leave you in this room to rot.